0: Good morning! It is great to be back with you today, even though I cannot see your lovely faces. And I was thinking how ironic this is. Um, the last time we were together, which was only two weeks ago, I can't even believe that, we talked about how God is incomprehensible and living on the liminal edge of change. Wow, little did we know, right? Needless to say, I uh, When I first wrote this lesson in conjunction with the talk on God's righteousness and justice, I had no idea about the different circumstances we'd be dealing with. And when I shared about my Lenten discipline of giving up hurry, I had no idea that God was going to help me out so much by slowing down the entire world and by having so many of you join me with added white space on our calendars in in our lives. So obviously, this is not the lecture I thought I'd give today, or the way I thought I'd give it. I am sitting alone in my living room, holding a phone in my hand, recording to an empty space, and it is so weird. You may not know this, but a great deal of what comes out of the lecture for those of us who are speaking comes from your feedback as we are watching your faces. So I am going to imagine all of you in my living room sharing this space with me. Uh, the coronavirus has changed almost every aspect of our lives in the last few weeks, and we have a new discipline called social distancing or shelter in place or remain at home, whatever we're calling it these days. But as you know, Lamplighters is following the mandates of the Center for Disease Control, and also our church leaders, and we have therefore canceled our last three meetings and our picnic, which makes me sad, but we are doing that because we love you, and we want you to stay home and stay out of harm's way. That said, it is important for us to be together without being together. One of the ways of doing this is to continue with our usual lamplighter schedule as best we can. So we are going to be having weekly leaders meetings via a web platform, and we will post our last three lectures online on the website in the usual way at the usual time. It, It will be up on Wednesday mornings for you to listen to. We are also going to be looking for creative ways to continue loving God and loving each other and staying connected, which is so important in these uncertain times. You should be so proud of your leaders because they have learned a new skill this last week of how to connect on Zoom. Uh, I encourage you to try if your small group leaders suggest a way of having a virtual small group. That may be a little Uh, irritating and frustrating at first but we can all learn learn something new and um, it's a good thing to do with our time to figure out how to connect with each other so that's the end of announcements i don't have sue roberts here telling me there's another one so let's pray loving heavenly father it seems like everything has changed in the last several weeks but you have not Help us to stay focused on you as the world turns upside down around us and to know that you are still our rock and our salvation. You still love us, you are still with us, you will never leave us, and you are sovereign. Father, open our hearts to learn what we need to learn today out of this study about your righteous anger and also from the people around us in these new and uh, challenging times. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, since everything else has changed, I'm going to change this lecture a little bit too. Uh, Due to the bandwidth of my internet connection, and don't ask me to explain any of that, I'm going to record and transmit uh, two parts to Shannon for posting on the website. So you will see part one on the website, which is uh, the goodness of God's wrath. Now remember I said I was imagining all of you here. I can see you rolling your eyes, so stop that. The goodness of God's wrath. We'll talk about that in a minute. And the second part of it is some uh, thoughts to focus on about how to respond to the lesson today, what, we, what the applications we need to think about. And also, uh, love in the time of corona, some thoughts to focus on in these days. So that'll be part one and part two. Let's start with part one. I hope you all got to hear Jan Madden's story about her black skirt. I'm only sorry you didn't get to see her illustrate it and demonstrate it because you'd be laughing like crazy. And laughter is the best medicine right now, right? It was a great example of today's lesson. Sometimes we just get stuff upside down. I think many of us, myself included, have done that about God's wrath. It's not something we talk about much. I don't even remember the last sermon I heard about it. Uh, it's as if this particular attribute of God is a blemish on his otherwise spotless, perfect, and pure name. God's wrath, the idea of that, is not attractive. In fact, it's embarrassing. We like to think of ourselves as more sophisticated than that. You know, surely, surely the angry God was confined to the Old Testament, and Jesus, who came in the New Testament, ushered in a new era of grace, right? Right? So we don't quite know what to do with wrath. We, we feel like we either have to eliminate it by explaining it away or editing out of the Bible. And, and doesn't the enemy love it when we fall into that trap of removing attributes from God? And why? Because we cannot conceive, it is incomprehensible to us, that a good God would punish. So we either try to eliminate it, explain it away, or we just color over god's wrath by focusing on his love and mercy and grace all of those acceptable feel-good attributes we simply ignore the ones we don't like which is god's wrath it is the elephant in the room that we're trying to hide under the carpet the problem with that is there are other things under the carpet too so let's pull that carpet back and take a look god's wrath is wrapped around sin rebellion And his just judgment. And who wants to talk about any of that? It's not very winsome. It makes us uncomfortable. It drives people away. It makes us feel judgmental. But we really can't get away from it. Because God's anger is found all throughout the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament. So um, let's reframe that. Instead of running from it, dismissing, downplaying, ignoring God's wrath, let's try being grateful for it and singing his praise for this attribute. I know that sounds crazy, but without God's wrath, we wouldn't be here. So let's take a deeper look. Remember that illustration of the spaghetti that was all stuck together a couple of weeks ago, the justice and righteousness were stuck together? It's just a reminder that all of God's attributes are really one. They, they live and dance in harmony. We've used that analogy before. They operate in concert. They don't fight with one another. So where you have one, you have all of them. Where we have God's love and goodness and faithfulness, we also have God's anger. So remember that. It's all of one piece. We can't just eliminate one attribute of God. So let's define wrath. It's a manifestation of God's holy moral character in judgment against sin. It is not vindictive or malicious. It is his anger directed against sin. Or if you want to put it in a positive sense, God's wrath is an expression of God's holy love. They are two sides of the same chord. They are dance partners, love and wrath. Whatever definition you use, uh, God's wrath is an immutable attribute. In other words, he does not share that with us, which is great. So, we have a problem. The problem is sin. Now, that is a word that we don't use too much these days. It's old-fashioned and doesn't resonate with people We try to pretty it up by saying we miss the mark, we are broken, we make bad choices, we fail to do what we want to do, we're selfish, and all of that is true. But the fact is, we are really twisted around ourselves. Sin is frank rebellion against God and his sovereignty. And it is in our DNA since Adam and Eve. It's in every single human being this disease, if you want to think of it that way, eating us up. It's true that each and every one of us is created in God's image, but it's also true that in each and every one of us, God's image is distorted by sin. That's our condition, sin. It manifests itself in actions, sins. And we're guilty, and we know we're guilty. So because God is holy, he cannot condone sin... And we, uh, you know, he hates sin. Indifference to sin would actually be a moral imperfection, and we know that God is perfect. So can you imagine letting evil have the final say when you have the power to do something about it? God, because he is good and just and holy and loving, will not be an accessory to evil. God's wrath is simply his holiness poured out on evil and sin. And here's a different way of looking at it. Rabbi Heschel says, The wrath of God is a lamentation. Meaning it's God's expression of anguish at the way sin has distorted the world he created and the world he loves. So without wrath and justice, God would not be good and loving Ann Spangler wrote a book called Praying the Attributes of God, and she says it this way. Developing a biblical view of that worst of all places, in other words, wrath, judgment, eternal separation from God, is like eating our spiritual spinach. It's unappetizing, but it's good for us. I personally would say spiritual kale, but nonetheless, you get the idea. Why is it good for us? Because sober reflection on God's wrath will drive us to God. There's, there's really no way to arrive at true repentance than to grasp that uh, the justice of God is against sin. Right? So that's the situation we find ourselves in. It's a simple uh, equation. God is perfect. Therefore, God hates sin. God judges sin. We are all sinners and therefore under God's judgment. What in the world are we going to do? We are without hope. But this is the good news about God's wrath God Himself did what we cannot, He provided the answer. His love provided a way that his righteous wrath could be exercised against sin, and yet we would not be destroyed by it. We would live. So his son, Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb, came to rescue us. He bore the full brunt of God's judgment against sin and evil on the cross. He took on all sin. Justice was accomplished. A penalty for sin was paid. Jesus bought us and freed us and settled our debts at his own expense. So we are no longer subject to God's wrath because Jesus was subject to God's wrath for us. Ladies, that's not just good news. That is great news. But wait, there is more good news. Not only did Christ's blood cover our sin, just sort of erase it in God's eyes, But he turned right around and he dressed us in his own clothes. What the Bible calls his righteous robes. So that when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of his son. We've got the right clothes on for heaven. Isn't that fabulous? And there is still more good news. When we believe in Jesus, he marks us and he seals us with his Holy Spirit. He places his spirit in us and us in him. To the, for the Spirit to help and guide and teach and conform us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, okay? Now, if I were to sum up this part of this talk about God's wrath, I would say it this way. We are saved from God, by God, and for God. And that's the best news of all. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now that's the end of part one. If you want to hear what we're supposed to do about it and further thoughts, you'll have to listen to part two.